You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Hey folks, Brian Nichols here from The Brian Nichols Show. Are you tired of partisan politics? Do you want to hear the news without that media narrative? Do you want to be more well-rounded as a person? Or how about this? Do you want to get to know and learn from noted entrepreneurs, elected officials, C-level executives, economists, and more? Well, how about this? Look no further. Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show. Again, I'm your host, Brian Nichols. Go ahead and learn more at briannicholsshow.com. Okay, so hear me out. You like getting cash back for the normal stuff you buy throughout your week, right? Of course you do. Check out the Dosh app. That's D-O-S-H, Dosh. Dosh is available at the App Store and Google Play Store and securely connects to your credit or debit card. From there, every time you use those cards, Dosh searches for available offers. Once it finds one, Dosh automatically redeems the offer and converts it into cold, hard cash. Muchos dineros, brother. Then deposits that directly into your Dosh wallet. Click the link to download and join Dosh today and get $5 just for joining. This link is exclusively in the show notes of this episode. So, show notes, special link, Dosh, $5 cash. Start on the path to quick and easy cash back on the things you love today. Hey everybody, check out the Break the Bell podcast where we believe your voice is your most powerful weapon. For a weekly dose of our take on what's going on in the world mixed with a side of history. Find us wherever podcasts are found or on social media handle at Break the Bell Pod. And most importantly, never stop talking. Prepare yourself. You're on the run with Remzo W. Martinez. The road to financial independence is a long one. And if you've been listening to the show for as long as we've been around, you know that my journey has taken me through many ups and downs and lefts and rights and twists and turns and all that jazz. And I'm still there. Welcome once again. You're listening to On the Run with Remso W. Martinez. We're talking about how to actually achieve true freedom in our lifetime. And, uh, you know, what's been great is actually getting to share my experiences as well as learn from all of you, guests and listeners included. This is something that, you know, we, we all have to do ourselves, but we can lift each other up by, you know, building that support network. And, you know, uh, one of my favorite shows to listen to, I, lo- I love the Chris Hogan show. I love Dave Ramsey. And while they have very, you know, set steps in terms of how they help people, what they ultimately tell everyone is, listen, what you do in life, what you do in business, there are smart ways to do it. There are bad ways to do it. But you ultimately have to be willing to go out and try different things. And if it works for you, it works for you. But not every recipe, not every prescription, not every detailed plan is for everybody. And uh, I have to say, the most controversial episode of this series that I've put out thus far is not the one that I actually intended to get so much reaction from. And it was from two episodes. I was talking about my experience with uh, MLMs, multi-level marketing. And uh, some of you had very strong opinions about it. Um, you know, what, what's great is that we can engage in conversation and that while, you know, we certainly had disagreements, things were civil and I'm, I'm always willing to learn. And I mean, I preface this all the time because we live in the age of disclaimers. That was my experience. I, I am still a firm believer that if, uh, you know, you're the target of an MLM operation, 
it's usually because you've been classified as a person who's who's most willing to jump in headfirst. And my initial worry about it is the, the recruiting tactics and the type of people who are targeted. But at the same time, there are many success stories of businesses out there that actually do it the right way. And we're going to be talking a little bit more about this, but through a, through a different lens by somebody who's actually done it himself. You know him as the host of Felony Fridays over at Lions of Liberty. He, um, he's an investor and somebody who has been able to you know, uh, create, create a lifestyle for himself in which he's able to actually make money from the, from the organizations and the products he loves. Ladies and gentlemen, John Odermatt. John, thank you so much for reaching out. And I mean, you're, you're, you're somebody that's been doing this far more than anyone else I know. And uh, I, I, I want to start off with this. When you reached out to me to want to discuss this, you, you called it network marketing. And I, I just want to make sure that we're on the same page of our terms. I didn't Google it beforehand, so I apologize. But network marketing and multi-level marketing, are they the same or are they different? Or is it just a play on words? Remzo, first of all, thank you for, uh, for having me on. I do appreciate that. And uh, good introduction there. And I did, I did listen to your, your episode, the full episode, when you talk about MLMs. And we'll get into, get into that, talking about my sort of two experiences that I've had, positive and negative. And my negative was, was very similar to, uh, to what you talked about on your show. So a lot of overlap there. But difference between MLM and network marketing I don't think there's there's any difference that I know of. I think it's the same thing. You'll hear um, social selling, social media selling, a lot of different terms that people use today. It, it all means the same thing to me. Not that I'm not aware of there being any difference between between the two. I, I just don't like using the term MLM because I don't, it doesn't really tell you anything. It's multi-level marketing. Um, Basically, all marketing is market, multi-level marketing. There's no, I mean, single-level marketing is you own your own business and you're doing everything yourself, all the marketing yourself. That's single-level marketing. But you know, ad firms and things like that. There's multi-levels of marketing there. So I don't know. I, I think network marketing is a better descriptor because um, you're selling through your network. You're building an income stream through your network. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's one of those things that I think – I don't think I've ever seen uh, specifically an MLM or network marketing-oriented business ever outright say that's what they are because usually there's – there's the distinguishing factor, uh, you know, in the last episode and folks, I mean, really for you to benefit from today, because I want to get into some, uh, deeper conversations with John. I, I, I don't often say go back and listen to the last episode. I really do think you should listen to the last episode because I, I, mean, I can't, I can't afford to, you know, take your time and John's time and keep referencing back, but I will for this one. Amway. I never thought that Amway was an MLM. Uh, my my first real bad experience was with Amway, and what they tried to tell me was that you're starting your own business and you're essentially using our products as your products. But then when you actually start to really look around at things, what you begin to realize is that there's this giant pyramid forming. And based off the experiences of other people that I encountered that I met through that uh, Amway situation was it all came down to recruit, 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 recruit. 
And the same thing went for the for what I was dealing with with Exit Realty. It, it became less about learn how to become a better real estate agent, and it became more of just get a whole bunch of your friends to get a license, sell a house, and see whether they like it or not. So everything was oriented just on the recruiting end, and it was not based off the product being actually good itself. And I know that you know you had you've had you know you've run the gambit in your life. You had a very bad experience early on, but in what you currently do as a representative for Plexus, is it essentially, you know, is is something that you not only like as a consumer, but something that you're advocating for other people? And I want to throw out a disclaimer, folks. I think Plexus products are freaking awesome. I, 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 I really do like the company. Why? Because the product is freaking good. So John, uh, because John got me uh, into Plexus, um, like he didn't really have to sell me. I knew the products were good, so I wanted to get involved. So uh, en- enough from me. People have heard enough from me. John, kind of walk us through your, your journey encountering this and where you eventually got to where you are now in a good, healthy position where you're not only able to help other people by promoting good products in this health brand, but at the same time, it's helped you actually create an additional stream of income that's been mm-hmm. you know, just a complete life changer for you and your family. Yeah, l- let me start um – sort of at the beginning with my first network marketing experience, the, the negative one. And then uh, I'll work my way through and you can you know, jump in, ask questions, obviously interrupt me as, as you do as a podcast host. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, that's, that's what the host is there for. Right. Um, so like, honestly, I was having flashbacks listening to um, your last episode. So I was, and I didn't know it, at the time, but I was involved with Amway when I was in college. Oh shit. I didn't see that coming. (laughs) And and you'll say, how do you not know that you were involved with Amway? Because they, it's a very, very, I think you used the word a couple of times last episode. It's a very manipulative group of people. I don't know. I'm sure there's great people who sell Amway. I mean, I'm sure sure there are, there have to be not every, I mean, not everyone in the company can be manipulative. The Amway people will find you in your DMS. (laughs) I already encountered several. <laughs> but, so there was a period of time, I don't know how long it was, but they changed the name of the company to Quickstar. And this is, I'm in college, so this is, what, 2003, 2004, something like that. And there's this company called Quickstar, and a friend of mine that I went to high school with, similar to you, invited me to you know hear about an entrepreneur who's mentoring people blah, 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 meet at this hotel, and he's going to talk about it. So I go to this thing, and there's a presentation. And keep in mind, like, it's hard to even imagine this, but this was like before Amazon, or like maybe when Amazon was just selling books. I don't know. I'd have to look at the Amazon timeline. But Amazon was not at all what it is today. So like online shopping was like, oh, I bought something online one time. So they're presenting this thing like all these products are online, and you can get a share of the revenue just by, just like you talked about on the last show, Remzo, by driving people to this link. And there's this store and it's like everything that you would buy at the grocery store is there in this online store. And uh, you're just directing people through your link to buy the stuff they normally would. And you get a cut of that. And that's how you, that's how you build your network. And I forget like the compensation plan, but back then I actually knew it inside and out and I could draw it up and all that stuff. And the thing with my experience back then is I worked it like pretty hard. I ended up taking a semester off of college. I never made a penny. And that's not even an exaggeration. I didn't make anything. And I had like a team of people. I had other people out there who were 
sharing it and they called it showing the plan and uh, you know, going somewhere, you draw it up for a group of people and then people sign up. I don't know if I was doing something wrong. That I wasn't what, what was money. the priority for you though? Was the priority recruitment or was priority sales of the actual products? No priority was hundred percent recruitment. It was, yeah, it was uh, like the, the products were like, and it was, and like I said, it was a different time, like online shopping. And I, I like, at the time I realized what was coming with online shopping and my thought process back then was, Oh, this could be like a way to sort of stick my foot into a revenue stream. Just, and I didn't, I didn't know about MLMs, network marketing, any, any of that stuff. Um, my parents, you know, my parents did, and they were very, very much against me doing it. And of course being a, you know, a young, uh, a young person, when your parents are against you doing something, you're going to want to do it on it. Yeah. So I, I doubled down on it and uh, took a semester off of college. And uh, yeah, so, th- I mean, that was, that was basically it. it. At the end of it, finally, like I, I did, you know, I, I quit it. And I remember it being like a big deal. Like, just like you said, last time deleting everyone's, everyone's numbers from my phone and all that stuff. And uh, I, I never, I never looked back. I never gave it a, uh, a second thought. The only thing I was mad about though, from the experience and uh the one thing it did push me towards was towards personal growth and, you know, reading books like uh, how to win friends, influence people, stuff like that. The one thing that pissed me off is my parents threw away all those books. Ah, and like, shit. And like 10 years later, I'm like, oh, I'd like to read those books. My mom's like, yeah, we threw them all out. We got to read all that stuff. I'm like, those are just like <laughs> books that are good for anything. Why would you throw those out? <laughs> but uh, it, that was actually, I think you talked about it last time with Amway, how it works is, they actually have two businesses and this, I think this has got them in trouble before with the, with the legalese of it, how they're paying people, but they have their Amway, which they called Quickstar. Then I guess they changed back to Amway because they're going by Amway again now. And they have something called BBB, which I forget what it stands for, but it's like the education arm where they sell CDs and books and all this stuff. And then, you know, the people higher up, they get paid on both of them. And I think at the time that I was in it, that actually their bigger revenue source was selling the educational products and not the actual product. Yeah, it's kind of for the business. It, the, the way they work is a lot of their stuff. They say that a lot of their stuff is products that you will only get through them. But essentially, it's all just private labeled stuff that you could find anywhere else. And it's kind of like it's kind of like Kirkland's. If you go to uh, Costco or BJ's, Kirkland's is owned by you know, the, the Walton family who own Walmart and everything else. So like what they do is they, they basically start these different shell companies that all specialize on specific products only to be distributed through Amway. So it's this way of making it seem like you're getting better access. It's also why the, the upcharge for things, uh, you know, for a 12 pack of, um, it, it's not bang energy, bang energy is different, but their version of monster was, which, uh, Excess, excess. I, I, I will, I will give them credit for this. I ordered a case of that. That is actually not that bad. I actually wish it was not through Amway, but it's, it's like twice as expensive as you know a twelve pack of Monster or something. So they do this to make it seem more exclusive, and by bringing in more brands, more exclusive distributor brands. Once you actually start to see who's in charge of those companies and you know who owns those companies, you eventually get to see it's all part of the same thing. 
which is not inherently bad. Enough businesses do that where they start the shell companies in order to expand and then, you know, because of distribution challenges and everything else, they also, their other properties become the distributor. So there's nothing inherently wrong of that. It's just the fact that they don't tell you that. You find that out after you've already, you know, essentially gotten into the web of things. Yeah, and it's it's very disingenuous at the beginning in the, in the way that they, they bring you into it. And yeah, you're not really told exactly what you're doing. Um, it, it's kind of, you get the information as, as you need it, which is, I don't know, it's just not a good way to do business. So th- that was my experience with Amway, Quickstar, whatever they want to call themselves. And you know what? I have no idea what Amway is today. Maybe they changed something, maybe they didn't. I know they still exist. So if you're a uh, an Amway you know, supporter, or uh, if you're involved with Amway, I don't know. Chime in in the comments and <laughs> tell us how it is. They will find us. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I really didn't want to, like, I didn't want to talk crap on any network market, like any competitors of Plexus or anything like that. I'm just talking my personal experience. You know, that was what I experienced. So that's, that's what it is. I'm not, you know, I'm not, not talking, not talking any crap. Um, so fast forward, years decades i guess i don't know long time i'm older than i'd like to admit um plexus came into my life and it came into in like a way that i would least expect so my sister was very instrumental in getting me out of amway and you know you know explaining to me like what this was and i was you know wasting my life away and and all that stuff. And I credit her for that. This is so this is back when you were doing Amway in the early 2000s. Yes, this is back okay. in the early 2000s. But cool. fast forward decades to three, whatever, three and a half years ago, whenever it was. And it was my sister who introduced me to Plexus. And uh, okay, so the person who pulled you out all those years ago is the same person that introduced you to. Okay, I see what you're talking about. Got kind, it. Of, kind of interesting. <laughs> and so the, the way that she found Plexus is her neighbor was a Plexus ambassador. And my sister, obviously, you can tell from the Amway experience, hated MLMs. And my sister, her entire life has struggled with IBS, irritable bowel syndrome. And she'll have, you know, several bouts with it, you know, throughout a month and uh, just Anyone who's who's had IBS or knows someone who does, it can be, it can be pretty, pretty shitty for a bad play on words. <laughs> <laughs> but so her her neighbor is a Plexus ambassador, and Plexus has this probiotic that is outstanding. I won't go into details about it, but um, long story short, she's going to my sister, you know, a couple times a month, saying, "You got to try this. You got to try it. I know it can help your IBS. I know it can help your IBS." My sister saying, there's no way I'm taking a product from, from an MLM or from network marketing, whatever she was calling it. There's no way I'm going to try that. There's no way I'm going to try it. Finally, after like months or maybe even years of this, her neighbor just says, here, just take the bottle. Just, just take it. So my sister goes to her husband and she's like, well, you know, she gave me this bottle. What should I do? And my brother-in-law is like, well, it's free. Might as well try taking it. So she's like, okay. So she started taking it every single day. And by the end of the month, she realized when's the last time I had an IBS episode and she hadn't had one and she'd tried elimination diets. She tried, you know, all the store-bought probiotics, all that stuff and nothing, nothing had worked. So that is sort of how, that's how she approached us with, with, uh, with that story and not even in a way like, 
you know, I want you to to sell these products and you know and and you know hawk them to people. Not not that at all. My sister's a personal trainer. She reached out to us because um, she she cares about us. And you know, my wife had dealt with other digestive issues without getting into details and and approached my wife if if she wanted to uh, to try some of the products. And my wife was so hesitant at the time to get involved with it with an MLM that she actually split her first order with her best friend so as not to actually order it like herself. Oh, I see. Um, so she tries the products and time goes by and she ends up really enjoying them, but still says for about the first year, maybe longer than that, that I'm not telling a soul about this. I'm just going to take, take these products and just move on, you know, just, just live my life. Um, so, from there, my wife's taking the products. She's feeling better. I'm seeing the change in her. And I'm like, well, you know what? I feel like shit. Um, at that, at that point in my life, I was, I had a, our daughter was much younger. She was a year and a half. Um, so, you know, if you've listeners out there, who have young kids when a kid's a year and a half, if you want to play with them, you got to get down on the level, get down to the floor, get down with the toys and all that stuff. And I would get home from work and I would just not feel like doing that. So I tried some of the products that, you know, target gut health and I'd, I'd read about gut health before, before, and I'm, you know, I'm real into, uh, if you know who Tim Ferriss is, he's real into optimizing health and he talked about probiotics, prebiotics, and that's where I first learned about the ketogenic diet and that stuff, which, which I tried before. And, uh, so I figured why not? I'll, I'll try this. We'll see. We'll see what happens. And I mean, long story short, and it's been three years and it didn't happen overnight. And it's not like I took these products in the next month. I was great. Um, but over time and with incorporating, you know, slowly getting back into the gym and working out and having renewed energy and sleeping better, um, I ended up losing 50 pounds. And um, it's, I, I 100% credit Plexus with that because without addressing my gut health, without having that system, that regimen, I, I do not see a, a path forward a way that, that I could have got there. So to kind of answer your, your other question about like, where was I approached with the products or with the recruiting? 100% products. And I think that's like, I mean, people do recruit for Plexus. I mean, people do go out and, you know, share the business. But when I'm sharing I, with I people- think it, I think it comes down to like, and, and I mean, not to jump in, uh, for this one too heavily, but like th this is why I mentioned when talking to people on, on Facebook and on Twitter, if the product is good, you don't really even need to sell it. People, you know, whether it's an impulse buyer, just somebody that knows what they're looking for, if the product is good. And I, I've always felt this with sales, mm -hmm. people inherently want what they want. If you have to sell them on all the other things to get them to try the product, then I feel that that is compensating for the product. I've never gotten that vibe from Plexus at all. And I, I've spoken to you. I, I got to meet some other people um, you know, who, who had tried the Plexus products. I got to say, Plexus customer support when I had to cancel my subscription because I got a pay cut uh, several months ago. I mean, finances were not great. Customer service on most online-only stores usually suck. They were great. I actually got an actual human being. So the product is good. The business is good. I, you know, it, it's a completely separate thing because it, it comes back to why do people want to join it? If they actually enjoy, if they use the products, you use the products. You, you're not just somebody that's trying to get people to jump on it. You actually use it. 
So it also provides that extra oomph to it that lets people know, like, this is actually legitimate. And, I mean, that's the big thing that I think a lot of MLMs, whether it's selling knives or selling stuff for Amway or any of the other types of companies. I know when I was in college, there were a lot of energy drink-oriented MLMs. It was never about the product. It was always, do you want to drive a Lambo? Do you want to pay off your debt? Do you want to do all this other stuff? And then the products came last. I've never gotten that vibe from Plexus. Yeah, and... It's it, it, and Plexus is so. I mean, the backstory on Plexus is it was started by a guy, um, Tarl Robinson. Weird first name. Tarl sounds like Carl, but with a T. Oh, I thought it was Carl. <laughs> <laughs> he he grew up in the uh, you know network marketing with an, in, a, in a network marketing family around that. So he saw the things that you know were were not. We're not, you know, exactly great about the industry. And he started Plexus with that in mind, that he wanted to make it actually, you know, a network marketing company built for the network marketers. So it's it's a different pay structure. And I'm not an expert in network marketing pay structures. There are people who are experts. If you go on YouTube, you can find them comparing all this stuff. But it's all very confusing to me. But I know there's ones that, you know, you you have to have, you only, you only get like two people you can sign up directly under you and then you got to put everyone else under them. And Plexus is very, you know, relaxed in a way that, I, like the way I describe it to people, it's it's very similar to affiliate marketing in that, um, you know, somebody can sign up as just a customer or as just, I would call like a wholesale person, somebody who signs up as an ambassador and ju- just for the products though, they're not going to share with anyone, which is what I did for for over a year. Um, so that's, I mean, that's pretty much affiliate marketing, but there's also the incentive there that if you want to teach someone how to drive more people to their link, how to, you know, gain some, uh, some, some influence and, um, actually build an income stream. If you want to teach someone else how to do that with their referral link, um, then you're going to get, uh, you know, some money off of that in the, uh, in the pay structure. So, it's a lot easier, I think, than a lot of other network marketing companies with Plexus to um, just make enough money just to pay for your products, which is with a, that's what a lot of people do. A lot of people don't go into it with like, you know, wanting to make, you know, tens of thousands of dollars per month. Some people do, but uh, a lot of people, they just want to say, I, I like these products. I plan on taking them and I'd like to figure out a way that I can share with some people and get them paid for. So, in that way, Plexus is kind of, it attracts a lot of people who have zero experience and zero ties to network marketing. They're attracted for uh, the health benefits. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned something a moment ago, which is affiliate marketing. And I, I, I have really, what has helped me do so much over the years has been income generated through affiliate marketing. And that is, folks, when you go into the show notes of this episode, when I link to Cash App and Robinhood and everything else, uh, as I mentioned in prior episodes, I don't make any money from that. I do script reads at the beginning of the show because these are products I genuinely use. I use Cash App daily. I love the boosts on there. Uh, I trade 
pretty much exclusively through Robinhood, though I'll, I'll probably be moving to M1 Finance or Vanguard pretty soon for, for my stock portfolio. So everything you see in there is stuff that I use. I even sell some of my own products. But with affiliate marketing, you know, it's also one of those things where I, I would never say that if you don't have a show, if you're not creating content, if you're not somebody with a following within a specific industry, uh, affiliate marketing isn't for you because you only make at most sometimes maybe 30% of an overall total sale. And you have to remind people of it over and over and over again. So that way you're not selling it. You're just letting them know, oh, I need to keep remembering this this offer is there. So affiliate marketing, um, I, I think the reason why it doesn't have much of the stigma that uh, that MLMs have is because it's often known as just something you do as supplemental income. It's not even passive because it's way more sporadic. I will go months and months and months without getting anything through at least one of my affiliates. And at any given time, I have at least 10 to 20. I keep myself diversified of that. But, you know, I, I was never the, – the problem The problem that I saw through through Amway specifically was their targeting of people. And in the episode uh, that John and I have been referencing, I discussed the, the, the nurse at the piss clinic when I was having to do a, a drug test. Obviously, like, you don't have that job because you're making so much money and you can't mm-hmm. say that that's something you're proud of. The thing I saw from her but what I saw from other people, especially since I started to read a lot of negative testimonies, is that for certain MLMs, especially in, in the energy drink world, what I saw in college, what they do is they go after people that are usually, one, financially insecure. Two, they're impulse buyers. Therefore, that means that they're constantly in the need for money. So if you offer them quick, you know, great ways to sell money and make a side stream of income, you're going to get that impulse. Oh, yeah, sign me up. Teach me everything. How do I start making money now? And third, you know, there's this often lie, and I, I've gotten into an argument with a few people about it, but I, I do stand by it. There's a big misconception that you can use your MLM to essentially become your total income. And even when you look at the people that they're showing in these different fields who are like the prize seller and everything, if you actually really look into them, they don't even make their money entirely through the MLM itself. They always have different streams of income. They usually have a primary source of income through a full-time job or what have you that allows them to also take time and develop this. So it's that – It's it really for me, it goes back to the recruiting because so many of these larger MLMs have really poisoned the well, it has really you know, made it something that in my mind, I'd rather tell people to stay away from it than to look into it. Unless you're in a position where one, your finances are good, two, you actually understand it, and three, the product is actually worth selling. Because those energy drinks my friends tried to buy, try to get me a buy in college, those things were just crack. It was terrible. Like you, you drink it because you're hooked on it and it's just terrible. You don't like it. Mm-hmm. So the product's not there. So it's primarily because of that, you know, that, that pressure, that pressured recruiting mentality. I think that's what causes me to want to stay away from it myself and also tell other people, you know, usually just your safest bet is just to stay away. Your first point, And I think it's, it's interesting. Um, so your first point with, towards recruiting and MLMs in general going after lower income, um, you know, people who might not be financially literate. It's interesting that, you know, 
I, I hate to keep using Amway for an example, but it's just whatever. I'm just going to keep using them for an example because I just don't know a lot of MLMs, to be honest with you. I just don't know the names of them. But they will do that. And I'm, I mean, I'm not going to dispute that point. I mean, that happens. That ha- I mean, I was in college. Obviously, I didn't have good financial footing then when I was when I was recruited. But at the same time, it doesn't make any sense to do that because, I mean, you you want people on a strong financial footing who are able to, you know, stand, stand on their own and build a business. You don't want somebody that has to scrape the, you know, the, the bottom of the, the barrel every month, barely living paycheck to paycheck to scrape, to scrape together, you know, enough money to, uh, you know, actually operate their MLM. When I say operate the MLM, when you're talking about something with Amway, you know, buy enough products in order to, to, to meet the quota. So it doesn't really make any sense. It's like the it's like the eighty twenty rule, but it's it's re- reversed. It's probably even more disproportionate than that. I mean, they're recruiting all of these people that are never going to have a future, probably in the M- in the MLM, in order to prop up to make enough money, and uh, so they're just wasting all their time. So they're they're creating a, a house of cards, which is why most MLMs likely fail. That and the products. There's no, you know, th- there's nothing. Um, really holding people to the products. There's no system in place that is able to be incorporated into someone's life that makes a uh, measurable change in their life. And that's, I mean, that's what I love about Plexus in that, you know, there's systems you can incorporate into your life and you can measure, here's where I was before, here's where I am now. And, and you can see the the contrast be- between the two points in time. And you know, if uh, if somebody does that, and you know people do, they'll try Plexus for you know two months and say it was great, but you know it's it's uh, it's not room in the budget. I'd, I'd rather just uh, just go back to drinking beer and uh, going out to eat, going out to eat for dinner every night. <laughs> but uh, it's 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 all choices. But the, your second point about people who uh, in MLMs, and I think this is a broad generalization, and maybe as a generalization, it's true. I just don't know enough about the entire industry. I can speak to with Plexus. I know personally many people, um, and not way up high in an organization, but uh, many people who are making enough money that they've they've left their job, and uh, Plexus is is their full time income. Um, That's the cool. level level that my sister is on. Um, it's crazy to think about this, but she's just a little bit away from getting to the point where um, Plexus actually pays um, for a Lexus, for a Plexus Lexus um, <laughs> every month that uh, they pay the, they pay the lease on it. And that level there, I mean, that's a, that's a six figure income. Yearly I, income. I think that, I think that plays to the strength of Plexus as a company though, because you know, it, it one, the products are good, but second, it's a lifestyle brand. Like it's not that you know it's not like with some of the others where you're just buying an energy drink or you're buying toothpaste or something. People go into Plexus with the intention of making a radical change in their life for better health, True. and with that, I think it, it really like brand identity is a big thing. Um, I you know I, I I work now strangely enough now I'm in the tech sector, 
And the biggest thing that I saw from a lot of competitors within the social media space was how many of them actually only or really primarily use their platform as their primary place to connect and communicate with other people. And what I saw through a lot of uh, alternative social media sites that came up was that you couldn't even get the employees or you couldn't even get, nonetheless the employees, you couldn't even get the owners of the company to use their own product as their, as their primary social media tool. So when you look at something like that, I think that's why a lot of social media upstarts failed. Uh, you know, Primarily between 2015 and 2017, you had a large boom. You had a lot of social media tech startups begin and then a lot of them died within a year because two things always failed. Either the product was faulty or the business model and support system itself was not ready to actually treat it like a full-on business. And I feel that, you know, especially when it comes to really anything, if the people who are actually pushing the product or the people that work for the company don't even like it, I think that says something. Mm -hmm. I can't say that about people who do anything with Plexus because not only do they like the products, they use the products. So there's no wondering, Oh, I wonder like, is it actually work or are they actually using it? No, that it, you know, it, it is their lifestyle at that point. So like I've mentioned before, the selling doesn't even have to occur. It's just, you know, the, the educating portion where you just kind of fill in the gaps so that way they make the next step themselves. I think that's an interesting point and I hadn't thought about this before, comparing what's happening in social media um, to network marketing and why I think Plexus is having so much success and why it's really hard for a new social media company to break in right now. So to, to talk about that for a minute, um, it's, all, it's all about habits. I know for me, it's about habits and I'm addicted to Facebook. Like I'm saying right now, I am 100% addicted to Facebook. And it's something, it's a habit I'm trying to break. You know, I'm trying to lessen the amount of time on it, but it's, it's strong. And, uh, you know, there's certain cues you have in your life and, you know, things that, you know, you wake up in the morning. There's like, it's like almost impossible not to pick up your phone and, and go right to Facebook. And I've had periods of time where I don't do it and I feel great. And there's periods of time where I go back to it. Were you going to say something there? Oh, no. I mean, I, 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 I com- I'm completely there with you. I, I, well, I do that and I check my email, but it's not even my email. It's my work email. <laughs> I check my work email, then I check Facebook every day when I wake up. That's and it's just good. like I, when you said that, it just sent this shiver down my spine. Like, fuck, it's not just me dealing with that. <laughs> well, it's like the exact opposite of what all like the morning routine gurus say to do. Like last thing you should do is check, you know, what you have to do for work. Look at your calendar, look at social media. You should go and you should meditate and drink coffee. And it's like, oh, come on, how, how am I going to do that? But someday, someday maybe I'll get there. But with that, like, so like, yeah, breaking in with like a new social media company, it's going to be hard to do. I think it can be done, but it has to somehow become and it's going to be slow, but it's got to be incorporated into people's lives as a habit, something that they're checking at least once a day, just at least once a day. Even with like for a while, I wasn't even, I had a Twitter account, but I never went on Twitter. And uh, I've slowly started to go on Twitter more and more. And it's become more of a habit getting my news from there, you know, looking at different, uh, whatever the filters are you set up to look at, you know, different accounts for news and things like that. But it's a habit I had, I had to start. And that's why I think Plexus is successful uh, in their space is because there's systems, either weight loss or gut health or skincare, where, um, you know, there's systems you built into your life that you're taking these products every single day. 
And not only that, unlike with social media, where you check you know, your Facebook every day and it makes you angry and you feel like crap, but with Plexus, you're doing these things every day and over time you're seeing a, uh, seeing a change in your life. What, what type of people would you typically say end up basically trying to create uh, an additional stream of income through Plexus products? Is there usually a cookie cutter type of representative or does it vary on the individual? That's a good question. Um, I, I don't think, I can't think of like a cookie cutter type. Um, and probably I project on people more often than not, assuming that they're not going to want to um, build a business, which is, that's probably why I have more people, um, you know, using my link that aren't building a business than are. Uh, because I pretty much, I pretty much put that on them, but um, I, I don't know if, if there is a type. I, I think it's fairly common, and I think it's it's you know I, I will answer this in a different way. Um, it's fairly common based on like the the stories you hear from the people who are most successful. A lot of people who are most successful were the most skeptical to start with. So I think what ends up happening is because they were so skeptical to start with, they are able to relate to um, people who are skeptical and their, their, their network has seen them go through this, this shift. And uh, it's, you know, it's right in front of their eyes, which is an interesting, interesting thing, probably reverse from a lot of MLMs, but I I don't know. It's uh, I haven't, hadn't put a lot of thought into that before. I, it, it was just one of those random things out there because, like for for me, when you know, I, as I mentioned earlier, and as I mentioned in the in the big episode prior to this, like there there there's usually the type the type of person who's being targeted with that. Um, I, I feel that you know I I and I say this with affiliate marketing because I think affiliate marketing gets lumped in with MLMs because of some similarities, but I think ultimately. The, the the thing about this, I mean, the thing about affiliate marketing, uh, I, I will say as somebody that tried to be a, a full-time content creator in 2017, like the, you know, I, I got mad at affiliate marketing because I felt like I was constantly having to sell products. So even when I was selling products, you know, ultimately I was mad because I wasn't getting the full return. But, you know, that was entirely on me because I knew getting into this, I've got to sell a lot of products using these links before I even make a, a lot of money. So I think a lot of people, they, they see it and they think that there's an opportunity and they make one sale probably early on and they get addicted to it. But I think the, the biggest thing that, you know, people have against, you know, streams of passive income in general mm-hmm. to kind of look at the whole thing from a holistic sense is the idea is – that you're not going to be dependent on any one stream. And despite what a lot of the people in the FIRE movement, and I would consider myself somewhat in that financial independence retire early stage, I, I have a I have a plan based off how I am doing currently and where I see myself going. I think I can be at least retired or semi-retired before I'm 40. Um, you know, but you know, the big path to that is having a stable earned income. And that mm-hmm. comes through my, you know, my job my 40 hour a week job. And it allows me to invest time in other things through this show. I'm, I don't do paid ads anymore, but I only do affiliates and the affiliates I do are based off the products that I actually use. So I think that the biggest thing that people need to understand is the, the intention behind why you're going to do this, because even the term passive income 
is somewhat of a fallacy for some people because they think it's just easy money that's coming to you while you're sleeping. For anyone that's actually had to set up passive income streams, it's far from passive. Mm-hmm. It, you have to put a lot of work in to even make some, you know, dribbles of money. So when, when you went from the stage of I'm just going to be a Plexus customer to I'm actually also going to advocate for these products and help people develop different streams of income, uh, what, where did that shift come and what has it been like since you made that change? Oh, and, so, and lastly, was this your first additional stream of passive income or did you do other things prior? Yeah, I'll take the the last question first. So yeah, I've, I have multiple passive streams of income. And I think my first passive stream of income was with uh, land investing, buying and selling vacant land, um, which is not easy. And everyone I tell about it's like, oh, I want to try that. No, no, you don't. You don't want to try that. <laughs> <laughs> essentially, what it is, is you, you send out mailers to uh, a bunch of people delinquent on their, their taxes who own vacant land in remote areas of the country. Or you can go to, you can buy the tax sale too. I've done that before. Um, and you buy it very cheap. You send lowball offers. You do get a lot of phone calls back. And I ex- you expect to get phone calls back of people screaming at you saying that, your offer's a joke. And I'm like, well, it's not for you then. Um, but there's people, and what happens is with, uh, not to go too much into this, but with vacant land, what happens, you know, people, they inherit it or they buy it when they're much younger. They have dreams of building a house on it and then it never happens. And it ends up becoming a burden because they're paying taxes on it and, um, you know, property owners, association fees, things like that. So they're looking to get rid of it. So people will sell vacant land very, very cheap. You just have to find them. It's, it's not easy to find them. But when you do, you can acquire cheap and then turn around and sell it. And uh, if you can sell it on, on terms, you can make more money. Um, obviously, cash sale is most ideal because you get money. the sooner you get the money, the, the more it's worth, obviously, if you know anything about inflation. But if you get it on, uh, if you get it on terms also, that creates a, a passive income. And uh, so, so that's what I've, what I've done there. And that almost is really, truly passive. I mean, there are going to be you know, occasionally people who stop paying and then you have to go sell it again. But a lot of people just paid through and you just have passive income coming in until it, they pay it off and then you write the deed over to them. So that was my, my first go in on passive income. And I've done, done some affiliate marketing. Um, I've done some, you know, just straight up uh, drop shipping, e-commerce, uh, printing hats. And uh, of course, with Lions of Liberty, we've done uh, shirts and stuff like that. Um, and uh, getting close to uh, to launching a, uh, a coffee brand with with, uh, with a friend of oh, mine. Nice. But uh, is it actually through, doing the full roastery or is it private labeling something that you get from a roaster? It's pri- private labeling from a uh, from a roaster. And my experience with this, and it's been made worse by COVID right now, but it kind of reinforces my view of what the future is going to be. Um, just because right now, even starting like a, a drop shipping company and with figuring out sales tax and how all that crap works and how it all comes together and making sure your label's FDA approved and, and all, this, all these different hurdles you have to jump through, it's just a freaking pain in the ass. And a lot of people are not going to, they're just not going to do it. And uh, which is which is good, less competition once you do get it set up. But also, I think it's why we are going to have more of a future with affiliate marketing and network marketing, because there's going to be as much as I hate to say it, 
there's going to be more and more state interference with regulations and sales tax. And I remember just a couple of years ago when there was no sales tax for online sales. It was glorious. You could start up a t-shirt company and print out of your basement and sell them and make money. And all you had to do was pay the income tax on it. But no, that's, those days are over. So things are getting much more complicated now. And I think that's going to you know, sort of attract people to models where the headaches are, are taken care of. And, you know, that's one thing that network marketing does offer. You don't have to worry about any of the, the legal stuff. I mean, you, you can go ahead and set up an LLC. You, you don't have to worry about, you know, you know, marketing materials are taken care of. Your products are taken care of. If there's clinical trials on the products, those are, those are taken care of for you. Um, I mean, things like that. So there is, those things are in place and it makes, makes it a lot easier. So that, I do think we're going to have a future with, with more and more um, network marketing or, or MLMs and also with, with affiliates. And I think the models will, will improve over time. I, think, I mean, I think you're going to see more models like Plexus and less like Amway. Um, and for Amway, I don't know if Amway is still doing meetings in person, but it makes no sense. Well, obviously with COVID, probably not now. But that just doesn't really make sense to do that anymore when you know everyone is uh is online and that's not to say that people should be having um i do see a lot of i think you brought up on your on your uh on your show when you were talking about it uh pampered chef i do i do see oh my god the lot the yeah the the tupperware and even, it wasn't even that it was i my I, my mom listened to the episode the only episode of the show i think she's ever listened to because it triggered her when she saw it she's like what did he get into now so i mean she, she also mentioned yeah i did the same thing for longer burger and like, you know, the idea was, oh, you just invite your friends over. We're going to have some food. We're going to drink some wine. We're going to look at some stuff that Becky happens to be selling. And then Becky. that it's always Becky. And then that's when it's like, OK, who wants one and who wants to also maybe become a representative? And then th- then it's like the tables turn. It's like, oh, you didn't invite me because you like me. You, you like me because you become a product in some ways. And I mean, it's it, it, I think that one of the you, you mentioned some some things I completely agree with in terms of how the e-commerce world, but I think how, how just people see companies and businesses and the customer. Uh, one thing that we've done at Parler is that we're trying to, you know, really look at our language. And there was a documentary that came out several weeks ago called The Social Dilemma, and they brought up something that just completely blew my mind. The only two industries that call their client or customer base users are social media and drug dealers. And as somebody that I'm not in a sales position, but I'm in a outreach position, I'm not selling anyone anything, I want them, you know, ultimately to be able to buy ads, but the product is free. So, you know, it's it's trying to find that where, you know, you, you want your language to match your community. Now, I, I refer to people on Parler as members. It's a community. It, it's trying to do that. But, yeah, I mean, that just, just those things of Longer Burger and Tupperware, like, no one's going to want to do that, especially now. And, and with stuff like that, so a company like Pampered Chef, and nothing against Pampered Chef, you know, I'm, still, I, I think we still have all those Tupperware. <laughs> apparent, I mean, I think they are great products. I don't think they're bad products. But the problem with that is like you buy your Tupperware, your pots and pans. Okay. What, I mean, how much do you need? I, I mean, there's, there's, there's no, only so much you can buy. Yeah, exactly. So I, I don't know. But, yeah, but, but companies like that, they, they have the parties. And the thing that I 
that I, I never do with, you know, with uh, when I'm, you know, inviting someone, if, if I invite someone to an, an information session just to learn about gut health and, you know, how Plexus addresses gut health, I would never just invite someone and, and put them in a group. That's ridiculous. But I get just added to pampered chef groups. I'm like, how the heck did I get in here? What, what is happening? Like, you didn't even talk to me. Why would you not even like send me a message first? <laughs> oh my gosh. And I'm sure, uh... I'm sure it's worse for women. And that's why like, I do, I do understand the pushback, especially network marketing MLMs. There are more women in, you know, in that industry, which I, I think the target is more homemakers. It's stay at home so. moms. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I do understand, you know, you'll see people, you know, make posts uh, on Facebook about, you know, don't, you know, uh, they'll, you know, ask for, does anyone have anything that can help with migraine headaches? No MLM advice. <laughs> like, well, okay. I don't know. Drink water, drink a lot of water. <laughs> but uh, it's, I, I mean, I, I do understand where they're coming from. You know, they don't want to get pulled into a party. They don't want to get pulled into, like you were saying, you know, being forced to sell something, but I mean, why would you not want to look at a product that's out there that is just sold a, a different way? You're not buying it on Amazon. You're just buying it from a, a different company and your friend might get a little cut of that, which should be similar to affiliate marketing. So I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think it will always come down to, to really being a, a twofold factor. One, it, what is the product? and Does the product stand up for itself? And secondly, what is the intention? And I think that's where many people have gotten confused. I mean, with uh, with with Exit Realty, um, I mean, there what I saw from them because it was almost a year long process of this guy trying to get me in, and I'm very happy now that I en- did not end up becoming a realtor because if I had just gotten my real estate license now and I bought my listserv and I was trying to basically build up my my name recognition within the community, yeah, it's great if you've been an existing real estate agent, but to be a new real estate agent in this market right now, despite the fact that more homes might be getting put on the market, I mean, a majority of them are going to go to the same one or two realtors that have been doing this for a while. So, I mean, just right there, your competition is fierce. But there's a reason why you have so many people, let's say like a Keller Williams or a Redfin or something else, and you have so few people doing exit. Because I think what, what, you know, the big move for exit is, is get these people. And I, I did not include this in the prior episode, but this is also what, what caused some of my friends to get really upset with me. I was told you can start recruiting people now before you get your license and I'll put it on a list. So eventually once you're ready and you're start, you can finally start getting the income from their sales after they get licensed, you'll just be ahead of the game. What I found out was when I actually ended my my interactions with this person, all I had essentially given him was the contact information for a ton of people. Mm. And that, you know, as soon as I said I was done, it was, you know, I I blocked him a bunch of places, but it became like, Oh my God. Like I was just, I I was just a contact farm essentially. And my friends were pissed. They were pissed. I don't really understand the exit reality model. So you're you're getting a percentage off of somebody else. You basically somebody else's um, fee they get for selling a house. Yeah, so I, I'm probably wrong with the numbers. So these are just numbers I'm pulling out of thin air. But if, let's say as an agent, as like the listing agent, you get like three percent of the commission. Like point five of that percent 
goes to the person who referred you. So whether you are actively selling houses or not, all the other agents who you recruited who are selling homes, you're always going to get a cut from them for as long as they're selling. Okay. Which is also the big gamble because if you don't invest in your people and if you don't you know, build them up to be good independent agents where they do it part-time or full-time because I know a lot of exit people only do it during like the summer during, you know, heavy buy-sell season. Um, you know, that that could just be you spent all this time and all these people and none of them are selling. Mm-hmm. So the premise is that you've done a good enough job at setting them up that they love it enough to continue doing this for years. So that way you're still getting that residual income from the sales. Yeah, I guess that, that makes more sense. And I suppose that that could work. And there, I mean, there are like real estate groups that do that. They'll have a team of people and they'll sh- sort of share in, in sales and they'll use like a, you know, a name. This is the whatever, the some real estate group because they'll put it on the sign like um, under above their name, whatever yeah. they're. I'm not talking about like Remax or Howard Hanna, the actual I don't know. I can't think of any, like, like, like the subgroup that goes, Oh, I, here's an example. My, uh, my sister-in-law is a real estate agent and her, she's like a team of three or four women that she is in a group with. And it's called the sister sold it. So like, I think they somehow pull together on, and this is not network marketing or affiliated with exit, but I kind of understand where exit is, where they're coming from now. Um, they have, they have a group uh, of, uh, four or five of them that if one sells a house or, you know, they, they all get a, you know, some, some part of the cut, or maybe some people are better at selling different types of homes. And when they have you know, a large flow of houses, they're selling, they, they can, yeah. And there's always the rest people on each one. Yeah. And there's always that percentage that has to go back to overhead for the broker and everything. Mm-hmm. So like there, there's part of that there, but like, I, I, I don't, I actually don't have anything against the exit realty model. My problem is what what is the priority? Okay, well the the product is houses, so you're in a very regulated industry, but what is the priority? Is the priority to build up better real estate agents so that way you could build up your brand and build up your income stream? Or is it just to get enough people that are coming in and then just constantly giving you that recruitment funnel? Mm-hmm. When the priority is skewed, that's what messes up the entire thing. Absolutely. And I mean, I would think that, I mean, that wouldn't work if somebody's in it for that reason, you would think it would come crashing down on them, but maybe not. I don't know. It's a weird world we live in. But uh, so, I mean, if, if I can just kind of yeah. summarize a couple things on uh, MLMs, on network marketing, that if anyone out there is interested or curious and, or maybe they've been approached about an MLM and they're wondering you know, what should I do? Um, I mean, a couple of things that I would recommend looking at is look at the company's uh, spending, see, check if they're debt free. Um, a lot of these companies go way into debt and you'll probably see, I think more and more over time, network marketing companies popping up everywhere and, uh, you know, look at their balance sheet. Um, that, that stuff is, is available. Plexus is a debt-free company. I think that's I think that's kind of rare. Oh, especially uh, now. Now amongst this market, mm-hmm. like how many businesses, big, small, middle, had no cash, had no liquidity? Yeah. That said a lot right there. Yeah. There's I mean, it's it's an industry that 
if you're built on debt, you I don't think you're going to last. And you see these stories. What was the one? Um, I keep I said I wasn't going to trash other freaking MLMs, but that's all I'm doing. <laughs> It was the, the uh, but this actually happened. So I'm not, I mean, it's, it's looking the news. I know um, what you're talking about. The Lulu Rowe, Lulu Rowe. Yes. Their CEO like ran off to Belize or something with uh, hundreds of thousands or maybe millions of dollars. I don't know if they ever tracked him down, but that was a, that was a freaking mess because people had all this inventory and I don't know. Anyway, check. Yeah. Make sure check the balance sheet of your company. Make sure that they're legit and not some fly by night. See how long they've been in business. Um, Look at the buy-in. Um, I mean, if you're making some huge upfront buy-in, what are you getting for it? You know, make make sure you're you're getting something in return um, for for buying in. Um, Plexus normally is like forty bucks. It's like an annual fee. I look at like a sort of like a wholesale membership, a Costco membership. Right now, it's it's marked down to ten bucks because of COVID. To give people a little, uh, well, but you get but you get discounts on all the products too because of that. Yeah, yeah. So if you're regularly getting the products, you're getting a better deal on that. Yeah, you get a big, I think it's like a 15, 18% discount to get in the products. Um, what else? Um, I think I talked about this before. So, see, this, the compensation structure, and I'm not an expert in compensation structure, but if you have to recruit like 20 people in order to make a dollar, you probably want to think <laughs> twice about that. And products. I mean, yeah, make sure that you actually like the products. Make sure that uh, if there, I mean, if there's a money back guarantee, that's that's outstanding. That I think every network marketing company should have some sort of money back guarantee on their products, uh, because if they can't stand behind their products, then I don't know what they're doing in business. And I don't know. Make sure the website's decent too. If it's a really clunky website, it's it's going to be hard to get people to uh, actually use. That, that says a lot for any business, right there. Especially now, where everyone's almost ninety percent buying everything online, except mm-hmm. you know, food and stuff like that. But uh, no, John, I, I really want to thank you for coming on because you've been doing this and you've had both experiences. And what you know, you've shown people through this is that you know there there are the. And I say this in politics when I when I was a political consultant. Political tools are immoral. It's how they're applied. And we see this with everything. There's nothing inherently wrong with the MLM structure. But because of so many bad actors in the field of this, it's what's created the stigma. And stigmas exist in every industry. But, you know, there, there is one thing I really want to settle on. Um, you know, when you actually believe in something, I believe that you should be able to make money off of it. I have this rule for myself that if I'm going to have an expensive hobby that I'm going to jump into, find a way to make money off of it. And, and it really comes down to this. We live in a world where, as John said, I mean, the, the economy is changing. You have to find different streams of income because, especially if you're a millennial between the ages of 18 and 35, Social Security is not going to be there for you. Pensions don't exist. Your 401k is not giving you the returns that you want. So while you could save and invest as much as you can, developing good additional streams so that when one's cut off or when you're unemployed, folks, when I was unemployed, I was making money through royalties. That's the only reason I was able to pay for things because I didn't have a full-time job. I still had additional streams. I was hurting, but it was not as bad as not having any money come your Mm -hmm. way. So, you know, this really... 
stands out for something, understand what you're getting into. Understand not just the, the financial cost of it, but your time. Your time is the one thing you'll never get a refund on. So please learn from our mistakes, but also learn from the things that might be working for us because they might work for you. They might not. But th- this is why I'm glad we're able to get folks like John on to talk about this because there's so many ways out there to make money. You've just got to find the proper and ethical way to do so. 100% agree. And I had something else I was going to say, but I can't remember it. But but just to say, just to, to double down on what you said there, you know, a lot of people would hold some back if they're going to start a podcast. And if you're a libertarian, please don't start another libertarian podcast. But Stay back, fuckers. Or something else, or or if you're gonna you know start you know, do drop shipping or network marketing or affiliate marketing, fear is the one thing standing in the way, and the only way to get past that is to do it. So, encourage people to do their research. But uh, in times like this with COVID, you know you might think you have a safe corporate job. You know you might think you're you're set up and you can't you can't be let go. You can. Your job can definitely <laughs> get rid of you. Um, nobody. Nobody is safe, especially in these times. And if you're listening to this right now, you know that. So it's on you to do something to protect yourself. And there's lots of ways to make money out there. Just uh, keep your keep an open mind, but also, you know, yeah, be willing to uh, to look into it and, and do the due diligence to make sure you're making the right decision. Absolutely. So, John, as we're wrapping up, you know, how can people connect with you? How can people learn not only more about Lines of Liberty, but also Plexus? And folks, John's not paying me for this, okay? I actually like the products. I need to get back on once I get, you know, that, that line I am on my budget set because, like, I, I gained weight during COVID. I told myself, you're not going to gain weight during COVID. I did, and now I got to jump on that. So, I mean, if people want to connect with you for everything, how could they do so? And I, and I will also include links in the show notes of this episode. Yeah, I mean, the best way, really, just just reach out to me on my social media. Um, you can find me on Facebook, I'm John Odermatt on Facebook, or uh, Instagram and Twitter, I'm at John Odermatt. Or if you want to just send me an email, you can send it to john.odermatt at gmail.com. Um, just to mention Lines of Liberty, of course, we didn't talk about that today, but my show on Lines of Liberty is Felony Friday, focusing on the criminal justice system. Our show, I mean, the whole Lines of Liberty, all of our shows are doing really well right now. We're, we're growing like crazy. Um, we have a Monday show hosted by Mark Claire, which, and Mark has kind of shifted his show to be more entrepreneurial based, looking at different ways to make income and things like that. So definitely check that out. Brian's show is every Wednesday. It's, uh, it's really a, uh, a sane way to hear from an insane man about the insanity of today, if that makes sense. That is the most apt way to describe it. <laughs> ah, that's, perfect. That's, that's all I got. And that's, of course, just that's Lines of Liberty, and that's wherever you get your podcasts. Awesome. So, folks, if I'm going to ask one thing. It costs you nothing, but it's everything for me. Please, a five-star rating review on iTunes uh, really helps us get this message out there. Share this with a friend if you can. Uh, you know, I, I would rather create 10 more financial literate, financially independent people than have them believe everything I believe. But that's the beautiful thing. We get choices. We get options. And as I always say, the only those are free are those with options. I'm Remso W. Martinez. Thank you for listening to On The Run. Take care. Good night. And I'll talk to you later this week.
check out our other shows and more from the We Are Libertarians Network at wearelibertarians.com.